Cade Mila Falta. Welcome to the Letter from Ireland show, where we travel in the footsteps of your Irish ancestors, visiting their homelands and telling their stories as they put down roots in so many places around the world. Hello there, and you're very welcome to this episode of the Letter from Ireland podcast. And today's episode, well, we have a focus on glamorous Hollywood of old. And two of the biggest Hollywood stars, of course, of the 40s and 50s were Grace Kelly and Maureen O'Hara. So today's episode is called Grace Kelly and Maureen O'Hara, two Irish movie stars. So here's what we're going to do. We are going to feature a story based around each of these particular wonderful, beautiful movie stars. We're actually going to tell a little bit of Irish history, a little bit of their own story and tie them to a place and time as well through those particular letters, which you'll hear in a few moments read by Karina. We're also going to feature some music. We managed, believe it or not, to dig up a couple of tracks that actually where we have both Maureen O'Hara singing and Grace Kelly singing. Now, it must be said that Grace Kelly, fair play to her, she gave it a go, but she really isn't that much of a singer, but she did actually have Bing Crosby to carry her along, so that was quite useful. Maureen O'Hara, on the other hand, was an absolutely wonderful soprano. In fact, I do believe she saw herself as being, first and foremost, a singer. So there's one talented lady. So maybe to get ourselves in the mood, we're going to start off now with a song that's taken from the score of that movie, The Quiet Man, set around Kong in County Mayo, or a shot there at least. And this song is actually called The Isle of Inishfree, sung by Annie Buckley. Oh, 
Now, this is the story of two Irish historical figures who came out of one of the most beautiful counties in Ireland, County Mayo. Let me start by asking you to do something. Now, not if you're driving, of course. But otherwise, sit down somewhere comfortably, close your eyes and think of Ireland. Let the images and sounds come wafting into your consciousness. Perhaps you're seeing green fields with stone walls or a wild blue sea beating off high cliffs and flowing into white sands. How about empty bogland stretching to the mountains across lonely small roads? Or maybe you're seeing coloured villages containing lively pubs with the best musicians around. I'm sure that you have many more sights and sounds to add to these few. I bring this up as we recently travelled to a county where you'll find all of the stories, pictures, history and scenery of Ireland within its border. And that county is County Mayo. We were up in Mayo driving a part of the new Wild Atlantic Way, which is Europe's longest and I think prettiest scenic drive. Now, while Mayo is the third largest county in Ireland, it's also one of the emptiest. Its population dropped from 388,887 in 1841 all the way down to about 110,000 in 1991, mostly due to emigration. So let's put this in perspective and see if I can get this right so early in the morning. In the USA, approximately 37 million people identify themselves as being of Irish descent. In our list, approximately 10% have names that came from County Mayo originally. Now, I would estimate that around 3.7 million people of Irish descent in the US alone would report County Mayo surnames in their family tree. Now, that's an awful lot of people spread around the world from one small county. And these people have surnames like Walsh, Gallagher, Kelly, O'Malley, Moran, Duffy, McHale, Gibbons, Joyce, O'Connor, Conway, Higgins, Murphy, Burke, O'Reilly, Gardner, Durkin, O'Doherty and McHugh. These were the top surnames in Mayo in 1890. But we're going to focus on the holders of two of these names, the surname Kelly and O'Malley. Two of County Mayo's finest ladies, one became a queen and the other a princess. Let me tell you about the two graces of County Mayo. In the year 1530 AD, Grace O'Malley was born on the shores of Clue Bay in County Mayo. Her family took their name from the county and the tribe of E. Moila. Grace was to become known as both the Queen of E. Moila and the Queen of Connacht during her lifetime. She was also later popularised as the Pirate Queen. There's so much I could say about this lady, her exploits and legends, but not in this short letter today. 
In 1566 AD, Grace O'Malley was married to Richard Burke. Now, the Burke family were overlords to the O'Malleys, and this marriage, a second one for Grace, was probably motivated by an ambition by Grace to grow her wealth and standing. Burke was owner of Carrigahowley Castle, which was located in a lovely sheltered harbour and was very suitable for the hiding of pirate ships. After only one year of marriage, O'Malley and her followers locked themselves in Carrigahowley Castle and Grace called down to her, Burke husband, Richard Burke, I dismiss you. Those words had the effect of ending their marriage under Brehan law. But by that law, she also got to keep what was already in her possession, and that included the castle and lands around it. Grace went on to live for many more decades and based herself in her new stronghold. She most likely died at Carrigahowley Castle around the year 1603 AD. Now, just a short five miles up the road from Carrigahowley Castle, near to the town of Newport, you'll find the townland of Drimorla. This was the birthplace of one John Peter Kelly. John was an unskilled labourer who left his birthplace and home in 1887 and emigrated to Philadelphia in the USA. In November 12, 1929, his granddaughter, Grace Patricia Kelly, was born. This, of course, is the beautiful movie star Grace Kelly, who between 1951 and 1956 went on to star in 11 Hollywood movies. Grace is equally famous for her marriage to Prince Rainier of Monaco, they were married on April 19, 1956, when she also assumed the title of Princess Grace of Monaco. She visited Ireland, including her home place in Dromurla, County Mayo, a number of times before her premature death in 1982. Now, can you imagine these two Graces, who were near neighbours, but across the centuries, Imagine them sitting down in front of the fire in Carrigahowla Castle. The Queen and the Princess talking about their hopes, dreams, loves and families. Each one noticing the strong determination, iron will and ambition in the other. Now that would make a good movie. The Two Graces of County Mayo. What do you think of that? Honeymooners at last alone Feeling far above power Oh, how lucky we are While I give to you And you give to me True love 
there you have one of those rare occasions where Grace Kelly was encouraged to sing and of course she was accompanied there with none other than Ming Crosby from High Society and True Love. Um, We're going to move on now to another movie star and of course a one of Irish birth and of course a lot of ties. I think when we look at Barry Nahar we kind of think of Ireland with those beautiful looks, wonderful skin, fabulous red hair and just the way about her as well. So we're going to go over to Karina now and learn a little bit about Maureen O'Hara and her family background. One of Ireland's own homegrown movie stars was Maureen O'Hara, and she died at the grand old age of 95 and will be remembered forever for her flame red hair, dashing green eyes, and her appearance in dozens of Hollywood movies. How about we use Maureen as the basis of this week's Letter from Ireland and we're going to look at the birth of Maureen O'Hara in three acts. In each act, we'll examine just what a melting pot Ireland has been down through the centuries. You see, Maureen wasn't always Maureen O'Hara. Act 1, The Rise of an English Protestant Landlord Charles Stuart Purnell was born in 1846 into a wealthy Protestant landlord family in County Wicklow. It was the height of the Great Irish Famine on Gortha Moor and many of the landlords of the time were absentee, indifferent or just plain taking advantage of the plight of the poor who were mainly Catholic tenants on their land. Charles Stuart Purnell grew into a man And as he did, he developed a taste for politics and political agitation. 
He felt that the tenancy system in Ireland was unjust and that Ireland needed to govern itself. He was basically against absentee landlords and very much against an absentee government. To this end, in 1879, Parnell became the president of the Irish Land League and also a member of parliament by 1880. Now, he was a gifted organiser, fundraiser and orator, and he developed a high level of respect and influence among other politicians, as well as the people of Ireland. He died in 1891 when he was only 45 years of age and is buried in Glasnevin Cemetery in Dublin with a simple rock marking his tomb, inscribed with just one word, Parnell. Now, this was a man who was born into a life of privilege in a country that was on the cusp of massive social change. However, Parnell, this child of the Protestant English landlord class, saw the end of absentee landlords during his lifetime. And Ireland was well on the way to home rule by the time of his death. At the height of his power, the name Parnell was known affectionately across the townlands, villages and towns of Ireland. Parents were even even naming their children after this great man. One of these children was born as Charles Stuart Parnell Fitzsimmons in 1885. And so Act 2. The Norman Fitzsimmons arrive in Dublin and Meath. The Normans arrived in Ireland from about 1170 AD onwards, and they came mostly from Wales, arriving at the invitation of the deposed King of Leinster, Dermot Morrow. He saw them as a means to regain his throne and power. However, it turned out that there was a very high price to pay for their help. Over the following 150 years, the Normans became lords of over half of the island of Ireland. They bought new laws, new fighting and farming methods, and they built their castles and installed a feudal system within their lordships. However, by 1350 AD, many of these Norman families had become hibernicised. That means they adopted Irish laws and customs, dress and surnames. One of these Norman family names was Fitzsimmons, taken from a mixture of Fee, the French for son of, and Simon from the Norse first name Sigmund. The Fitzsimon family settled in different parts of Ireland. They were in County Mayo, Dublin and Meath. In some of these places, they assumed the Irish for their surname, Mach Shinman. By 1880, there were hundreds of Fitzsimon families across County Meath. One of them was a family of blacksmiths in the village of Kells. The parents of, in the family were Bartle and Bridget Fitzsimons, and they named their third son Charles Stuart Parnell Fitzsimons. Charles left for Dublin at an early age. The life of a country blacksmith was not for him. He entered the clothing trade where he met and married Marguerite Lilburn and she was the daughter of a Protestant police constable. Now you can only guess what this policeman must have thought of his daughter marrying this Catholic countryman with a Fenian sympathising first name. Or indeed what Charles's parents must have thought of the match in return. 
However, Charles and Marguerite settled down in Ranilla, a suburb of Dublin, and they went on to have six children of their own. They called their second eldest child Maureen. Maureen Fitzsimmons went on to train as an actress in Dublin's Abbey Theatre, but she was called to London for a film screen test at the young age of 17, and that screen test was seen by the actor Charles Lawton. And so we're on to Act 3, The Mighty O'Hara's of County Sligo. For many hundreds of years, Ireland was a land of small kingdoms, or Tua, as we say in Irish, T-U-A-T-H, Each of these kingdoms or tuas was typically occupied by a particular tribe and then each tribe had a ruling family that prevailed. Just to the southwest of Sligo town lies one of these tuas and today it goes by the name of Leny, L-E-Y-N-E-Y, which comes from the Irish Ligna, which means followers of the god Lug, L-U-G-H, and it was this tribe that gave the area its name. In the year 19, excuse me, in the year 926 AD, Agra, the lord of Ligna, died and his descendants adopted his name as their surname and they became known as the O-Agras, H-E-A-G-H-R-A. Over time, this name became anglicized as we now know it as O'Hara. Just over a thousand years later, in 1936, that name featured in one of the biggest movies of all time. And that movie was Gone with the Wind. And of course, the heroine went by the name of Scarlett O'Hara. When Maureen Fitzsimmons' screen test was noticed by Charles Lawton in 1937, he also noticed that her name was quite difficult to pronounce. She won a part to play alongside Lawton in the Hitchcock film Jamaica Inn and featured in that movie with a brand new name of Maureen O'Hara, borrowed from the southern heroine of Gone with the Wind. Maureen O'Hara, the movie star, was born. A talented, red-haired, green-eyed Irish Colleen that looked so Irish, but was also the child of the complex history and melting pot that is Ireland down through the centuries. The clan of Sean Fitzsimons was my only family tree And I grew up a fine upstanding miss I loved the streets of Dublin and the lakes of Inishfree Sure Ireland was never like this When I was slowly filling out a dewy-eyed Colleen With no one lads a-throwing me a kiss I never thought that I would see the likes of what I've seen Sure Ireland was never like this Come every spring on a bright and cheery day I'd go a-singing to Beside a banyan tree A million miles from everything I miss I love your quaint pagodas And the gentleman with me But sure as my given name is Chris Oh, Ireland was never like The land of the Hindus, the Sikhs And untouchables, Christians and Muslims And all of the rest Buddhas and Brahmins, including Mohammedans Sure as my given name is Chris 
Ireland was never like this, sung there by Maureen O'Hara and more than just a little sprinkle of her own life story in there as well. So folks, what you think of that voice? She really was some singer, wasn't she? And there we actually have the end of our podcast for this week, where we featured Grace Kelly and Maureen O'Hara, two Irish movie stars. I hope you actually enjoyed. And remember, you can actually find the show notes for today's episode, if you want to find a little bit more, at letterfromireland.com forward slash 739. That's letterfromireland.com forward slash 739. And of course, if you enjoy today's show, please do leave a review. We'd really, really appreciate it. Um, leave a comment if you're in a forum, wherever you're actually listening to this particular episode, or indeed if you're inside in some podcast player, we really re- would appreciate a review in there. So this is Mike Collins, and on behalf of Karina and myself, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to you joining us again next week. Slán for now. If you've enjoyed today's Letter from Ireland show, we'd like to invite you to check out our special membership area, The Green Room. You hear us mention it a lot during the show, and you can find full details of The Green Room at letterfromireland.com forward slash green room. Our green room is the essential resource for anybody at any stage in researching their Irish heritage because it's where we delve into all the good stuff to help you break down those brick walls and really connect the pieces in your Irish ancestry puzzle. In the green room, you get access to online genealogists, extensive research tools, quick win training, as well as member-only access to johngrenham.com and a very supportive, active community to help you along the way with feedback and advice. The green room is the perfect place to be for anybody starting or continuing their Irish ancestry search. So why don't you come and join us there at a letterfromireland.com forward slash green room. That's it for me, but I'll be back next time with another installment of the Letter from Ireland show. And I really look forward to chatting to you then. Slán gafol, Karina. Karina.